0: Shut up, and
1: sit down. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 149. It's the March to 150, and as we announced last episode and on social media, Dean and I are breaking up at episode 150. We are going to, well Dean has... Uh, it's The Pump yeah. we about last time with uh, Jeb Stuart Johnson and I'm going to be as of yet unnamed continuing on on this download stream so you'll be uninterrupted and I'll be bringing the same great caliber guests and hopefully a lot of new ones with maybe some tinkering to the formula so we'll see we would love to hear from you your thoughts about you know the last know, 150 episodes and what you want to see going forward but one of our favorite guests, one of our favorite friends to talk to uh, was nice enough to join us on short notice here. So Sam Pogue is back with us today. And uh, we're going to catch up with Sam and his adventures in the industry. And you know, Sam is someone who, instead of hunkering down as you know, a personal trainer for 10, 15 years in his own personal brand, he's actually worked in a number of different entities with to, to profound success. And we're also going to talk a little bit about where the, where the future is going to take him. Uh, and as anyone who's listened to Sam before, he's one of the most connected and well-liked people in the industry. So
2: welcome back, brother. Hey, always a pleasure to be here. It was super pumped to like, let you guys know what's happening, whether the conversation was on the air or not. Like, like I really just enjoy yucking it up with you guys. So I was like, man, I want to connect with them and just grow out.
0: <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like you're really happy for like, you were introduced as the last second, which to me, last second means like, dumpster. <laughs> it's like, we couldn't get anyone better than Sam oh damn it
2: i mean the best part about coming at the end is like there's no expectations and if you're good like holy shit you were great right like (laughs) get
0: this andrew doesn't even do intros anymore he was just like he's just like yeah fuck it we only
1: got three episodes i was procrastinating and like we were keeping a secret who we were going to get because we hadn't had anybody line up so we've got the last guest lineup and you know people will keep thinking oh you're gonna have dean subverset and like actually well dean's just been like super busy and and uh, and kind of coming out the other side of this COVID thing. And like he actually wrote an article there uh, based on his wife's biometric data from all her cycling. Dean figures very strongly that him and his wife did, in fact, have COVID when he came back from Europe at the start of all this stuff. So, you know, he's been a little too busy. I'll figure out getting him on the new incarnation at some point. But uh, we're leaving. <laughs> we got a real surprise for the next one. And, uh, yeah, no, I was looking at it and I had a few names in mind and I know we didn't have you on too, too long ago because we had you right in the middle of uh, all the COVID stuff coming, but, uh, you know, Sounds like it was good
0: for a rant or a two. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. I think you still have the big right one. One. longest rant I think ever. I can't even remember. It was like, you like woke up, you're like blacked out and you stopped in the middle of you're like, I don't even remember what I was going on. I'm like, I don't know. It's <laughs> good though. <laughs> it's usually always good. It's directed at fitness stuff. So.
2: That's the, that's the only thankful part is at least something valuable comes out at some point during my well, You have so many experiences
0: that like literally yeah. you can rip off on all of them and they like interconnect. Have you ever seen Dark, the show Dark? No. Anyways, good. long story, there's a bunch of timelines, but you have like all these memories and stuff and they just like yeah. build to like something and we are like, oh, I like what he said.
2: Well, and the kind of cue like, from our conversation before we started, I think that's such a valuable skill that so many young coaches can really do is just going out and learning how to have great conversations. And honestly, and you guys can probably attest to this, one of the best skills you can possibly develop is learning how to go out and I'm gonna use the word woo, not because in a sexual way, but it actually stands for win other people over, is what woo stands for. But to woo them to like, how cool was it to have John Berardi on? Yeah. Right? Me? Like, you're yeah. like, holy shit, like you guys have built up enough of a reputation to go from what you guys have done in your life to like, oh shit, like not many people have done what Berardi's done, right? And to like, That he's like, oh, yeah, totally. I know it's a great spot. Like, that's huge honors. Like, I know with me, with Fitness Break Room, it's so honoring to get people to want to help you out. And who, like, when you ask, like, yeah, of course, anything for you. How can I help you? And even if you don't need anything, that's such a powerful thing. But you guys do such a good job of it. And just going up and connecting and not asking for anything other than, like, I want to put you in a spot to look good. Like, Andrew, your social media is primarily shouting other people out. (laughs) Right?
1: Believe it (laughs) or not. I just said, you know, you... I'm trying to remember the exact quote. Fuck okay, it, I'm going to pull this up because it won't take me very long. But it was about sharing. And it said, yeah, it was, I said, share without keeping score. And I believe that's really important. How many people are going about their social media, Instagram, counting favors, making sure it's tit for tat. That's not how you do it. And so... I, I went, and they
0: think it's going to happen immediately. I think like even if you talk about all these things, it's like, if I do this, I'm going to get this. And not to say that, like, like I'm more calculated than it's the long game, but it kind of is. It's like if you expect something, it's not going to happen right away.
2: Fuck that.
1: Oh, you cut out. This part is the really important part. Sorry, say that, say I, that again. That must you, be my signal. You're good. Say that again.
2: You got to pedal faster.
1: Okay. So this part is the really important part. If you make a habit of giving, across everything you do with your social media. And Sam's right, every guest we put on here, we're trying to make them look great, like make people look great. You don't keep individual score. And quite frankly, chances are you will give collectively more than you get back. And there are gonna be some people that can never give back to you of much value to you. So you do it because it feels good. But the collective things that come back to you will add up to be incredibly substantial. For example, you know, I now write for True Coach Blog. Why? Because you and I are friends, right? You made that happen for me, which I think is really cool. I write for Teen Nation. I write for my website. Neither of those things is really the career stuff that I I enjoy writing.
0: He's actually and- lying. He's super calculated. He's like, before we got on the podcast, he's like, we need to get editors from these publications, and I'm going <laughs> to go snake them later. Never happened. So it's actually it's a funny story that didn't actually happen. We had people on, like you were like, um, what's the names? Wife, anyways from t nation but they, they were like reaching yeah. out to Andrew afterwards and he's like dude they asked me to write for me he believe him, I'm like no we had we had them all on like of course they did idiot yeah. Danny that's that's how it happened got talking to Danny on uh, on it Facebook. was Danny yeah yeah but was yeah, yeah, and she was like scared she's like I didn't
1: know if I should ask you or not and you're like oh my god yeah all right <laughs> you get this sort of shit happen all the time it's like you mentioned John berardi and, and here's how that happened so I I wake up to a, a DM in my um on my IG Instagram one day and it's Jason Crow who's this basically what you were for on it, uh the director of relationships, uh, he is for PN, right? So and he, he introduces himself, and he's like, hey, you know, I represent Precision Nutrition. Uh, you know, we're the biggest nutrition coaching company in the world and we're the biggest certification company in the world. And I'm like, motherfucker, yeah. I like it. I know who you are. I have a level one. He
0: was he was well, like, Can I we get John Berardi first off? He's like,
1: fuck no. <laughs> Yo. You gotta go through the, all the bosses first. Ask. Yeah, we we went through all the like the mini bosses to get the final boss. So he asked if we would put some of uh, their people on the podcast because our podcast scored very very highly amongst their user base. So yeah, yeah. and so I love Krista Scott Dixon, I love yep. Brian Pierre, and I love Brody. And meanwhile, he had a couple other people, Craig Weller and Adam Byte, who he was hoping we'd feature. So. Those two guys. Love Adam. They yeah, everyone him. loves Adam.
2: What the fuck? Yeah.
1: Every, like so many people messaged me like, Adam's my
2: the best. I'm like, I didn't even know who Adam was. And like, He's oh, just he's such cool. a nice guy. Like you're like, he's the person you like you expect yourself to be. but yeah. like, No, you never can be. You're like, yeah. God damn it. Like you're so nice. Fuck.
0: He's like, like I get like, up. I do my work. I'm to go work hard. Come back home. Like play with my kids. I'm like, what? Like He's like, and I'm getting my PhD right now. He's like, I'm just so busy, but I got time for this podcast. Like, oh my God.
1: Why are you doing and this podcast right was, now? They were great. They loved it. We had fun, made them fun graphics. And so they all went back to Bertie. And I had told Jason, you know, Brady was someone who aspirationally, you know, he's like who we would love to talk to. And I know with John, if anybody's familiar with him, he has this, this checklist of things that he has to, any request of his time has to meet these criteria. And it has to benefit him and PN in some way. And it has to not take away from his family and there's a few others. But, he got such good feedback that he said, okay, I'll go do this podcast. He doesn't do a lot of them. And, and he was unbelievable. So it, I, I didn't set out with any of this stuff with the goal of, I want to calculate how I can get John Brody in this podcast. We just continuously try to make a lot of really great people look good. Uh, a lot of the bigger names in the industry are nice. You, you just ask them. Like I met uh, Martin Rooney the same time I met you, same time I met Luca Hosavar same time I met a whole bunch of other people. And I've scored a ton of guests just out of that uh, going to Lucas seminar back then, and I've got a couple more people who I met that I'm gonna get Max Shank on here at some point or other. And
0: uh, a, I think like maybe there's a question here how how have you because you kind of networked your way up, and I think that you're a good example of someone who's kind of figured out a way to make money about in fitness. It's not necessarily the, the we, and we kind of talked about it's not the normal route, I yeah. guess, quote unquote.
2: Yeah.
0: How, how did you approach that? Like, was there a system to it? And I know I, that sounds really bad, but like, did you approach networking with like a goal? Or like, is there any pieces of information you could kind of impart on younger trainers coming up? Because I do think it's an important yeah. piece and you have to think about it. Because I know it's like, oh, I don't want to think about it. But there is some point of reciprocal altruism that you need to kind of tend to.
2: You know, it's interesting getting to True Coach and, and writing more of this kind of content and trying to be more introspective around doing it because while I'm not the LeBron of relationships by any means, I'm pretty good. I'm, I know I'm good. I know it's a very strong skill for me to have. And, but it also means that I wasn't consciously aware that what I did would be good at it yeah. because the things I do are just natural things I do, right? Like it's the, oh, of all the people I can reach out to to, to have a chat because I'm also an external validator. I want to hear it out loud, be talking like you guys are guys that I want to do it with. Right. Even though we don't have long relationship, I really enjoy our chats and it's going to be fun to fucking yuck it up for a second. Cause we have things in common and you know, my uh, one of my childhood best friends, his brother was the national DECA president. DECA is a club in high school in the States that is for business and marketing. And it's for like business competitions and elevator pitch competitions and um, just kids who were, you know, going down the business track, you know, but in high school, and so I was big into it in high school, and and you know, he got to take a year off of of school after high school to be the national president instead of going to his freshman year of college, um, and uh, we were just really close. And he just looked at me one day and he was like, "Hey, man, you know, it really comes down to just remembering one thing about every single person you meet, um, even if you don't remember their name, it gives you something to talk about, because." When you're standing at the booth of on it at like all the conferences, and you've been to five in the one month, like, I'm sorry, you might see me, but like, I, you're the 700th person I've seen this hour. Uh, I, but like, if I can remember something about our interaction, that the next time when you come up to me, like, oh, bro, how was your fishing trip? Even though I'm like blanking on your name, waiting for someone else to come like say your name, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is like, oh, but at least, how much different does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. Right, the fact that I remembered something about what you did, right? especially when you start building up a reputation around like, Oh, you have a lot of people in your life. So you reaching out to me means, means something. Right. But you know, I didn't have to do it systematically as a young, as a young person. um, But it's something I've always just followed up with. Right. And just like, how you doing, man, what's going on? Because here's the thing. Like, let's say, uh, let's say Dean and I, you and I are working a deal and uh, it's right now it's July and uh, you know, it's, I think that there's going to be an opportunity for us to do business in December. Well, instead of me hitting you up in December, being like, "Hey, bro, like, let's do some business," it's like I'm going to be like, "Oh, all right, I'm going to hit you up in like July, right? What's up, man? How you doing? Let's catch up. What what are you working on that I might be able to help you with?" Then it turns into like, "Let's interact, right? Let me give you some reasons for us to continue, to like, have something to talk about, right?" And then by the time we get to it, because here's the, when you're a biz dev guy, like I'm a business development person, right? People know, like, when you're the when you're that person on it people essentially know that you have an element you're trying to get some business done in some capacity right if you already know that going in you don't want to be sold that's why trainers have such a hard time getting in it because it's like they go in so afraid of the sale that they they're not confident and they never end up pitching what they can actually do to help right they if you tell someone your personal trainer like automatically that person probably goes like oh they're probably gonna try to sell me right did you make the experience feel like oh fuck there was not even like I I want to support them. I don't even care, right? Like it was like, it was that good. And because sure, I, we may never do business ever the three of us, but that doesn't mean that I won't meet someone because of our relationships together. And all of a sudden it becomes a huge deal, right? So the big thing becomes, and I get it, like guys, mind you, when I showed up to Austin, Texas in 2014, I moved there with the intent of getting out of the fitness industry entirely. I just became a member on it because I wanted to work out at a cool gym where Joe DeFranco was. It just turned into me being that first member and John Wolf and I talking, that it became the opportunity for me to come on board and work. But I didn't come in there knowing DeFranco's and Dre Spinas and Mike Fitch's and Smitty's. It was because the two teammates on my team at On had kids. So when we were hosting all this education and people wanting to come into On It from the fitness side of the table, I can go pick you up from the airport. I'll, I'll hang out with you all weekend. I didn't have to, right? Yeah. But like if I had the choice between going and hanging out with Dr. Mark Chang, uh, for the weekend and having dinner and yucking it up with him, or going and broing out in Sixth Street with someone else, right? Well, like sure, I'm gonna do the exact same thing, but I could do it with someone I'm gonna really learn a shitload from. Well, at the and it, ha- it has to be a little bit of luck, right? Like yeah. the only reason why I could get all the conversations I could is because I was Sam on it, right? It had to turn into a conversation where it became no longer Sam on it. That on it comes with Sam, and it needed to be something like. What did I have of value that I could give to an Eric Cressy to where I can earn his time? You guys, it took you. How, what episode number was it? for you? 146? Yeah,
0: One forty-six. Yes, it was like a while. Yeah, one, one, yeah, I don't know. There? almost okay. at the end. It was so
2: okay. So how many hours a week does one episode of a podcast take? Per roughly three, three hours ish of time. Let's say three, three, okay. so Two, three. So let's say you did hundred, like hundred episodes, right? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of hours hours. just to get the time to get enough of a following to earn that where I have something of value to offer John Brody for his time. And if you don't have something, well, then it better be you came in with such a great attitude that you're like, holy shit, like, how do I not want to share with you? Because you're just fired up. Like, if I am, like, for me as a a coach who loves working with baseball players, and if I was really trying to, like, really delve into that, and I was like, oh, Eric Cressy's the guy? Well, I'm going to do everything I freaking can to earn as much time with him as I can. Well, if I'm a brand new trainer that doesn't have any experience, I don't have any credibility. I don't have anything. Tell you what, I can mop floors. I can I can organize papers. Right? If you guys know Raj Law, he's a coach at a market. He
0: he's just at right before you. He's the last one. Oh my
2: god, Raj yeah. is one of my favorite people.
0: Right? And it was, did you
2: hear how he got the Cressy internship?
0: Yeah, yeah, he's the, he's like basically just like I'll just apply because I I like these guys at this. Seminar. He
2: drove from the Detroit <laughs> to Boston. Like Pete was like, 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 how do you not give a, a, a free an internship to a kid that drives from Detroit to Boston to hand you a resume? Literally right, didn't know that were. Kind of <laughs> were. Sure.
0: That's the best. thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. at the YMCA.
2: He's like, I've heard of this guy. <laughs> oh. and so but it's that right? Like I knew like as soon as I got on it, like it was like oh is this an opportunity for me to get into baseball? right? Like I love baseball. It was my thing. So it started off with, uh, I met Marlon Bird at a kettlebell competition. who was a major league baseball player. And we didn't really have a big relationship, but we met. And mm-hmm. it was the first big one was Rachel Balkovic. And I saw an article of her online that was like, I'm five, nine, I'm 170, 60 pounds. I'm a size 12 and I'm not overweight. And I'm like, cause her handle back then was damsel in the dugout. And I'm like, Oh, this woman is a baseball, a, a strength coach in major league baseball. How, the, only, wait, the only one, holy shit. Send her an email just through her link. Hey, Rachel, I just think what you're doing is incredibly awesome. I found you through this article. I would love to get to know you. Okay, cool, right? All of a sudden it turns into like, here's an in. And then all of a sudden, like now I have a connection to a few strength coaches because here's the game I play when it comes to networking. And you guys have seen me in in these kind of environments is if I meet you, my goal is to find the common person as quick as possible. Because let's say we're all sitting in a bar having a beer, which I would love to do at some point in time. um, And someone walks in the door. And you're like, oh, what a douche. Like, you're just like, you just, you can't even, fath- you don't understand, but you're like, Ugh, uh, I want to punch you in the in the wiener, right? Like, it's just not good. But he, let's say you say take a sweatshirt off and he's got a bro research shirt on. And you're like, bro, do you know Ben? Do you know Dr. Mike? And he's like, oh man, uh, yeah, I was so bummed I was supposed to go to Costa Rica. Like, I was just, and all of a sudden you're like besties with them and you two are making out in the corner, right? Yeah. Or you know, oh, yeah. whatever that is. And it's like, but you just went from hating this person's guts to thinking they're like your best friend, why? Because you have something in common. Well, when you first meet someone brand new, you don't know what you have in common yet. Unless there's like a forced thing, like you're both at a skateboarding thing. Oh, you skate? Cool. Uh, But like when it's something at a a networking event, right? Now we get to play the lineage lineage game, which is so important because if you are a young strength coach and you're an, we're gonna use Cressy, and you're an Eric Cressy intern, and you're looking over there and I forget his name, but the Las Vegas Knights strength coach, and you're a big hockey fan, Well, the sure as fuck if I'm not going to open up with, hey, man, I'm an intern at Cressy because you were an intern at Cressy. Let's just knock down that barrier out of the gate that says we have something in common, right? So the game with networking always came from what do I have of value to offer and how can I connect the dots as quick as possible for us to make sure that we have that thing in common? And from there, like, I need to really listen to you to understand, like, what do you have going on in your life that is I might be able to help with? And for me because I've always kind of had this personality was like, oh, uh, you know who you should talk to? It was like, you should talk to, talk to Dr. Mike T. Nelson because he does this, this, and this. Like, yeah. you haven't heard of him? How have you not heard of him, right? And you just link people together because now the game becomes 10 years of doing it. Like, how'd you guys meet, Sam Pogue? How'd you guys meet, Sam Pogue? How'd you guys meet, Sam Pogue? Oh, shit. Like, I want to be an interview question for Mike Robertson when he interviews someone like, oh, so how do you know, Sam? Like, oh, shit, how'd you know? I know, oh, I just assume you do. Well, right, like, Well, that's the game one
0: uh, like everyone's, not everyone, but like as a young trainer, I can even kind of recognize this, but they'll, they'll yeah. lead with what they know. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, well, I learned about this theory and they almost like wall themselves off from that networking opportunity. Cause we could just assume we all like fitness. If you're at a fitness networking yeah. event or stuff, like, it's like you said, like you need to play the lineage game, which is like, are you a real person and not a robot of fitness? Cause that's usually the thing that's going to matter the most barring that you know your shit you know what I mean totally which gets lost a lot of times because that's the beer conversation because if we just went for a beer conversation with Cressy and I asked him about shoulder fucking stability he'd be like okay but <laughs> I'm the shoulder dude like I don't want to talk about shoulders like fuck, totally. fuck shoulders totally
2: well and like you feel, like he does a really like Eric does a great job giving back to key. yeah and he always does a question thing and I'm like the amount of times that the question is like the same question every single day I'm like you clearly follow this guy. Like, how have you not seen the like return to play for UCL? Like, yeah, he's got seventy-seven blogs on that on that topic. Like, mm-hmm. go through and read all seventy-seven, and then come to him and ask a dope question, and he's like, "Oh, shit, i uh yeah, I would love to talk with you about that more." And it becomes like a a very different conversation. Like for me, I recognize so much that I was able to get so many conversations because I was salmon on it. When On It was growing at Rogan's peak, like, who wouldn't, who wasn't gonna have a conversation with me if I reached out? Like, yeah. yeah, why would I not get on that wagon, right? If this kid's reaching out and he likes me, come on over, right? Like, let's do it. So it, that's great. But like, outside of that, turns into, well, it, let's say I don't have anything I can work on with you. I still think you're a valuable person. We might get to do something later. So, how do I make sure that I install something that is valuable to where now it turns into like, okay, then I left for True Coach. To where it's like, okay, my resources changed. I don't have the same resources, but now I have different resources to help new people, right? It's like, all of a sudden, it's, you know, I really was bummed I didn't get to go to Luca's event um, this last year. And it was the first event, arguably, in the last four years that I'm like, I could have gone to, I should have gone to, I have no reason to not go. And I decided to, like, not go to, like, take a week off for myself because I've worked 40 weekends a year in the last, last five years uh and for the record like when it comes to like doing all this like sure i had a dope sexy job with on it like i think a lot of people recognize that uh i made less than fifty thousand dollars for 75 percent of my time there. Mm -hmm. so we can sit and talk about like how much money you make you know what i mean like the value but like if i told you this is what i got out of it okay which one do you change which one do you take right is like and so you know for me it was such a big thing for me to be so visual of like consistently like being places and working hard because it's like I know I just went from being just this dude to like now in the front of the room teaching seminars at Exos and Cressy's and Mike Robertson's, which is like an extreme honor, right? But like, okay, sure. I don't have a master's degree in, in strength conditioning. I didn't intern at a bunch of these sexy places, but I dare you to come at me and say, I haven't earned my time. Yeah, I haven't you don't earned get my spot people here. People don't
0: like you. Like for sure. Yeah. Like unless, unless yeah. you're like, unless you're Eric Cressy and you're like, Eric Cressy, if he's an asshole, would still get the job. But, like, unless you're Eric Cressy, like, people gotta like you. For sure. Yeah.
2: yeah. And that just became a huge catalyst for me to, like, continually visually show that. Was like, I'm everywhere. I, like, I would love nothing more when I would get tagged in someone else's video. But, like, is that Sam Pro in the background? Fuck. Wasn't he just in this city? Yeah. Right. Because it was like, sure, I took four years of my life on it and worked every single possible opportunity. But at the end of the day, like, you know, it's easy. A lot of people are like, dude, you should chill. And it's like, yeah, okay. I appreciate you concerned about my health, but, like, look what I've been able to accomplish in five years, right? Like, sure, I work every weekend, and, like, I took a lot of certs and whatnot, but, like, what else would I have rather been doing with my time, right? i got to say I've taken FRC five times. I've taken DeFranco and Smitty's course five times. I've taken Animal Flow five times. I've taken Doc Mark Chain's course three times, right? Like, and I do it.
0: I want to well this might be a good question too like because there's a lot of knock on like certifications and everyone has a fucking certification Mm -hmm. but how valuable and I know you got a lot of them for free but how valuable for new trainers do you think it's even just to put yourself in a situation where you're gonna have the opportunity to have those conversations because you don't really get them without going to the certification but now everyone at the top saying like they're trashing on certifications I probably met most of the people in my network generally through either a conference or a certification class that cost a lot of money but I mean That's your opportunity. That's your job interview, even though it's not, but it kind of is like you're the dude now.
2: It's like going and getting an MBA from an a, a, a Ivy League school. Sure. I'm not saying you would get a shitty education from going to Harvard, but you go to Harvard and get your MBA because of the network that comes with all the other people that have Harvard MBAs. You're like, yeah. oh, I get to go call that dude and that dude and that dude and that dude. Right. Is like, oh, it, like, sure. It also gives you a lens of perspective. Because here's the thing. While well, I'm all about research and I'm all about getting research based and evidence based, n equals one is a real thing in our industry. And at the same time, like, to be honest, I don't really give a shit if you're into kettlebells, powerlifting, Olympic lifting, bodyweight training, because at the end of the day, most of it all works. And as long as you're consistent with all the other shit, like, I'm pumped that you're doing something, right? Like, you wanna do animal flow, so you recognize you have really shitty feet, and really bad ankles, so you work on that? Dope right? Oh, you want to get stronger and you realize you have poor mechanics and your ability to mechanically lift something. So you go through, get stronger. Fuck, that's awesome. Oh, you want to go and just like get out of pain. So you do a lot of like mobility work. Awesome. At the end of the day, that gets someone to push into what they, what their journey is. And for coaches, the, the education is so tough because let's say you come from exercise science and going to a master's or even just a bachelor's, and then you have the weekend NASM kit. Well, we can sit and bash on the weekend nasm courses like a oh shit like it's such a it dilutes our industry right it's like it's not the same as going in someone like i'm not dr mike t nelson i don't i don't take master's level 400 pt classes because i'm bored uh while i'm in engineering school right like uh like that's that's just him right but i wouldn't be in this industry if it wasn't for a weekend course right and i think a lot of people come out of it like let's not ignore the fact that a lot of trainers uh, who are came from like the science side of things were nerdy fucking bio majors or science majors that just happened to instead of getting into molecular biology, they got into fucking lifting weights because exercise science became a thing in the seventies, right? Yeah. Uh, so it became like, oh I can bro out and have like and still like be sciencey. Right. But at the end of the day, Dr. John Russ a super nerd, right? Like homie loves fucking science. Right. And he it just put he had to got put into a scenario where he had to be present and do content, do all the other things. But for coaches, what I love about search is it teaches you a lens of perspective to attack a problem and think, mm-hmm. right? If your first perspective is FRC, then you're going to look through the FRC lens and everything is going to come from a capsular focus. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be a power lifter, you're going to look at everything from a uh, periodized programming and mechanical stress solution. If you're going to be a bodyweight person, you're going to look at positional accesses as, as, and plane of motion as probably your primary lens of focus. And at the end of the day, that's why all the diets work is because everything works for a minute, right? Like, it really, like, oh, you're a vegetarian, you lost a bunch of weight. Well, you went from eating McDonald's every day for six months to eating vegetables three times a day uh, and going on a walk. So that's a thousand percent more. Now, if you stick to it, that's a whole different problem. But for coaches, it's the ability to critically think, to learn the rules like a pro, so you can begin to treat the game like an artist. It like, is. I love having the ability now to where, uh, okay, like, so Jake, Arietta, who I've talked about, I've trained before loves to move some days we'll train in the morning i'm gonna text hey man uh, let's push back an hour i'm gonna play tennis with my wife for a couple hours before we lift well okay this dude's one of the highest most decorated players in the game i don't tell him no don't go play with your don't go fucking have play tennis with your wife the two months of the year you get to hang out every day and i'm not here to he doesn't want the experience of like i just want this, this and this it's my job to make sure i fit what i know into his day right so We'll, he'll go play tennis and then we'll lift and then he'll go throw a bullpen, right? So it's like, okay, well, I might have had uh, a max effort lower body day plan because it was a high stress day. Well, he just took out, let's say, six points of stress on a scale of 10 playing tennis for three hours, right? So it comes into like, okay, well, I still want to work some patterning and stress. I love that I have tools like Animal Flow and FRC and um, on it to like, oh, now I can still give him a great experience, hoping to get what he wants, but I'm not stuck to a married to one methodology. But when you're a brand new coach, i love for you to have the ability to say, okay, here's the solution, here's the problem, here's how I attack it, right? And I came from, and you guys are going to understand this because you do as well, is my first lens of perspective was the DeFranco, Smitty, Jay Ferrugia, mechanical stress, progressive overload, get fucking stronger. That solves a lot of problems down the chain. And in the the early 2000s, that was the game, the mid-2000s, 2008 is when I got into it. And so that was very much the message. That we were just coming into the functional training era right move through full ranges of motion so i came to that so i feel very blessed that while i went to on it and pushed a lot of clubs and kettlebells my first lens was going and pushing a barbell so a strength coach who wanted to come argue with me about like why would i use this club instead of a a barbell it's like well i can let's go play the game right i can go deadlift with you i can go bench press with you but then i can walk on my hands and i can push this club and i can do all these things so for me it was just giving coaches a lens to like hey here's a system of a way to attack a problem, get really good at this to where you can actually get good at coaching to where you go, oh yeah, I need something else to get them better. Like uh, doing cars is not the only thing that is gonna help that person get better internal rotation of their hips. It's a great solution, but that person won't do their homework on the side.
0: You so don't I need learn to learn find- that skill like even the evaluation part and the system part. And even if you look at a career thing, it's like if you take the lens out and you would have used that, that's why you took all the courses. But how did these things get built to then create other stuff? And then you can kind of pull from that. Cause you, you, you can basically, but it's really hard to tell someone new to it. You need to go okay. in and kind of adapt and learn. That's why you took FRC fucking five times. Cause like, yeah, the first time is real difficult. I don't know, Andrew, you had
1: something to add to. I know you were like doing this. I think it just boils down to this. You've got two fundamental ways you can approach uh, certifications. Um, you can either be chasing letters and certifications, which I've seen a yeah, number of people recently, big problem, right? yeah. negatively comment that way, where you can seek education and knowledge. And so, for example, during the whole COVID thing, I wasn't as busy as uh, normal. So I had more time on my hands and we're just talking about the PN stuff. So they gifted me a redo of uh, their level one. I hadn't done it in many years. I already have that credential. But I was like, cool, I'm going to go do this again because I want to refresh on this stuff. At the same time, I went and picked up a bunch of textbooks. I have, I'm currently halfway through advances in functional training. Uh, Mike Boyle's, the third edition. Mm-hmm. This thing is unbelievable. And I realized, okay, there's a ton of stuff in here I already know. And I got thinking, I'm like, the fuck did I learn all this shit from all the things I pieced together that aren't certifications? I've never been a certification chaser, but I will yeah. go to seminars and what have you. And I realized, well, I've done so much Dean Somerset work because we've always worked for the same company in one form or another, a uh, greater umbrella. And like, a lot of this stuff. Dean taught this stuff. And I went and got periodization f- training for sports, Bampa. So that's some stuff that I really haven't gotten into too, too heavy. That's really, mm-hmm. and, and I haven't started yet. The third book science and practice of strength training. And that's, uh, Z- Z- I think i pronounced yeah, it right. In fry. So I'm excited to get into these books. So there's no yeah. credential that comes from any of that stuff or any of the other books that i well, read. You
0: can't learn, like my biggest thing takeaway from a lot of this stuff is like evaluating systems. Like you can't, you can't learn how Dr. Alm teaches DNS for stabilization unless you like watch and coach. And like, I don't know, I like to go into those things because you can get the information. You can't see totally. these, these up close. And even like yeah. Jordan Shallow, we just had him on our other podcast. He, They're building out prescripting. He was asking like, how does PN do things? Because he's like, you've probably taken all this stuff. And like he hadn't taken all that stuff to see how they did their system. And he's like, okay, good. We're, we're kind of doing it that way. But just even from a business standing point, looking how they structure information and layers content and, and give out emails and stuff. There's a lot to learn on the, just the basics of marketing and communication to then put into your business, however you decide to do it. Cause everyone wants to grow out of fitness at one point, whether it's building online training, building courses, blah, 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 blah. If that's your natural progression, these courses teach you that just by evaluating what the fuck's going on. Yeah. Let's get on that yeah.
1: growing, you know. in, in the well, That's thing. why I wanted to transfer it to that. Cause Sam, Sam Sam's, sounds good this shit. Because, you know, you just announced it. You and you have left True Coach. And I wanted to, you know, make sure I really you know, express how much I appreciate the fact that you linked me up yes. with a training gig with those guys, which is super cool. And I'll, I'll keep that up for a while. And I wanted to see, we wanted to see what your future course is and some of your thoughts to anybody else about sort of staying in one role for a long time <laughs> or you know, keeping an open mind about seeing where opportunity takes you.
2: Yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing. Um, I, I'm a very risk adverse person. Um, for me, like I like to scare the shit out of myself. Cause it kind of makes me like, Oh, okay. I gotta like pay attention for a second. Like, so like my 30th birthday, we went bungee jumping and my buddies were like, you're lucky. Cause I would never have done this if it wasn't for like your 30th birthday kind of thing. Right. Like I love just like the unknown because the best part without having a network and, and I'm so thankful I got to tell my parents this, like I told my dad that like the best part for me is having parents that raised me with the idea that I can go do whatever I want and that they're here to support me. Like I didn't have that growing up of like, that's not a real job. You can't do that. Right. Like, and like for them now, like I tell them, especially being a 33, almost 34 year old to like how powerful that statement has been in my life. And then to go through my life to have such amazing people in the world, like all the and like what, on it has on it gave me like right? i will always talk so great about on it because of holy shit it put me in a in a front of people i would have never could have imagined in the world right like i could be in new york five times a year to where i get to hang out with people five times a year right not for just because i'm around and then you end up seeing like you know fisher three or four more times at other events like oh now i have to have physical relationships with you in a way that like a lot of other people could never have done yeah. well for me it's just been like a why not because i look at everything like what it would take to really sleep on the on the floor or have to sleep on the street is like holy fuck it would take a lot right like for me to like be entirely homeless and no options like i would have to really fuck off like and piss a lot of people off right like because that's a lot of couches i can't sleep on and but to be honest like it's such an empowering thing for me to know that i have so many people supporting me that want nothing but like because for so long it's been me like how can i how can i use my resources to help you to where like man by the time i know people offer all the time how can i help you and it's like by the time i ask you you're not going to say no one and it's going to be over something i actually need yeah right so for me i've always looked at opportunity as or or jobs as what is the big picture that i'm really learning because at the end of the day we are all on a on a journey uh to find happiness and fulfillment in whatever we do. And some people find that through fitness. Some people find that through parenthood. Some people find that through their hobbies. Some people find that through their their work or who they embody as a person. But at the end of the day, we all just wanna be happy. Well, I know you guys are in Canada, but the American dream for a long time was to have a white picket fence and a golden retriever and live that life, right? Well, our parents and and generationally, I would say your parents probably brought you up with that same mindset. But the 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 message our generation received in mass, not necessarily with every kid, was you can go do whatever you want, go get a college education that allows you to do do anything, because that meant security to our parents. That meant like the next steps. My parents didn't go to college, right? They think getting college like teaches you everything. Whereas, like you see that so much now. To like look at the companies that are being built, you're like, oh, that's a thing. Yeah, okay, right? Like, what? Like when people like. Trying to explain Facebook to your parents in 2008 or four. What's it? It's on. It's a the internet. right? Right. And it's like, oh, but to look where that attitude took us. Right. That fuck you attitude. We can do it. Like I want to build that because I can. Like you see some of these apps, some of these technology solutions, some some of these games. I mean, I don't know if you guys are video gamers, but like, look where video games are for God's sake. Like, there's more Twitch followers than most social media people on fitness. Right? Yeah, like that's League of Legends Switcher is the right? biggest
0: televi- like, biggest. It's the biggest,
1: biggest, biggest sports event
0: ever in the world. Like, it's a fucking video game.
1: Who, she plays competitive League of Legends, and then I was training one of my 16-year-old young athletes, one of my football players, and he's explaining to me uh, you know, various different Twitch people. I guess there's some guy on Twitch who got super jacked, and relatively speaking, he was a skinny. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, what he's the, the fuck's name? Is
1: hilarious too. And I had never heard of this guy. So he gets me to look him up and I'm like, okay. And he's asking, he's like, is that steroids or is that natural? Apparently like uh, some, uh, fuck, I, I'm not a fan of him. Greg Doucette, who's this, uh, you know, bodybuilder. He's out in Eastern Canada. I, I'm not going to get to he's coach. Uh coach. Who is it? Uh, I think, was it Isertel? It is like, just destroyed him in some sort of internet debate. Some, someone.
0: Is, is there, Isertel debated him and like, wasn't nice. And
1: it was Ooh. out of Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> How about that guy? But uh, so Dusset had some sort of comments. I can't remember, fair, pro or con or whatever. And I look at this dude. and I'm like, that's pretty naturally attainable. That's not to say it's implausible. That's
0: bigger than all the League Legend players. They all thought he was on yeah. something. And, so and like-
1: I'm like, I don't even know this fucking world exists now. I mean, I'm slightly mm-hmm. old again. You know, being 42, this stuff is is crazy. But yeah, you have all these people making fuck tons of money from playing games combination of social media or like the social media influencer thing i'm just like
2: yeah oh, yeah. yeah that's 100 that, right and that's the thing right like it's hard not to be the crotchety old man and be like oh my day that wasn't a thing and then to think like oh because you see like and it's common amongst internet marketing of like you need to have your bio that's your storefront what do people know you for yeah. and it's like you see some of them on facebook where it's like i help middle-aged men eat pancakes with their right hand instead of their left hand but you're like, they have beautiful marketing, and you're like, wow, I bet, you know what? Shit. I, I, you know, I've never really thought about eating pancakes with my right hand, but you know what? Fuck. And it's like, we're in the information era. We're or in the knowledge era. I'm sorry. We just came out of the information era where we were setting up all the infrastructure of tech. But now the blue collar job, like my, bat, my dad worked at a paper mill for 33 years doing the same job. That job is that Amazon putting servers in, right? But now, you know, our parents, Thought that in the year 2000s, we were gonna be the Jetsons. Instead of floating cars, we got fucking Twitter, right? But, and the ability to have a platform out of nowhere to where you literally can just sell your experience and your thoughts and some people think it's cool. Because the majority of people in the world speaking in public is the number one fear in the world. So you don't even have to be remotely even good at this to do something because it's so much further than most people will ever go. That they can even, like, oh, they can sit and talk shit, but they won't even put themselves on camera, right? So now it turns into looking at your experiences is a great way to look at what makes you different from every single other motherfucker out there. If you are a um, a person that struggled with your relationship with food and you want to be in fitness, well, that is an entirely different narrative story that you have that I don't have. Not because I couldn't help someone with that person, but you know what? For you, that person that struggled with an eating disorder for 20 years is probably going to see someone a little bit differently than I will. And i tell you what, you're going to do a kick-ass job helping them because you were that person. And I think people need to do a better job seeing what do I do well? And I think the inherent skill is, is understanding and being confident enough to talk about what you do well. What do I bring to the table really well to where it's valuable for us to want to do shit together? Right. And that comes from consistency. That comes from timing. It comes from luck. And it comes from some sure fucking willpower and elbow grease. Right. You're going to kind of have to will people to do it. But at the end of the day, your experiences are the thing that no one else has. So for me, I didn't want to be in fitness for the long run. I did at the time in 2014 when I left Portland to get out of the fitness industry. There wasn't, like, CrossFit was around, but I wasn't a CrossFitter, so I wasn't looking at opening a gym. I didn't have a dream of opening a gym. I wasn't trying to go be a strength coach at a university. I wasn't even trying to work with baseball players or go to physical. Like, it was just, like, I liked training people. I was a good coach, but it wasn't the thing I wanted wanted to do. But it turned into, like, oh, that's a useful skill to have to step into on it where we're running an education system for trainers and say, oh, look, I know how to do this game. I know how to talk to you. I know exactly what you're probably not good at because I'm actually really good at that part, right? Like, uh, I made a post on Facebook yesterday and, like, my old fitness manager, Rusty Sandusky, who hired me at 24 hour fitness, my first trainer job, he was Rusty. like, Yeah, man, remember how this club manager didn't want to hire you? And, like, your very first month, you sold $7,000? I was like, Yep, I do. Right. Cause I was like, I just knew the game. Right. That's and so, the story,
0: though. Like, I got a job from Rusty, the manager. That sounds like such a cliche. Like, if there was a movie, like, oh, totally. Old Rusty.
1: <laughs> and it's I, like, I, visited but, a, no. I was going to say, I visited today just by fluke. Uh, My buddy, who's the first one who pestered me to come work as a personal trainer almost 10 years ago, he's a manager of a different gym. So I dropped in there for a workout and he's been a friend of mine that entire time, but I didn't know him before. He happened to be just the trainer of an old friend of mine who Mm coincidentally was also there today, but I don't talk to that guy anymore because he has just gone off the deep end for being a really weird fucking dude. So small shit now that I think about it. But yeah, like I happen to be talking to today this guy's manager who's the one who actually Mm -hmm. got me and it—it's luck. It's like happened to be that's the gym I walked into, and joined, and started working out at. And then someone yeah. just bugging me off for That's why I
0: we, we want to tell stories like this. And we've kind of had a—we've a, had that narrative. And like why we bring people like you on is because, in some form or fashion, we see the fitness industry as as a career. And Andrew and I were talking just before you got on is like someone Andrew was, was interacting with was like, you can make money as a personal trainer. Like, yeah, fuck yeah. But it doesn't have to be just the personal training thing. But luck right. plays a part of it. But if you don't go to these things, if you don't talk to people, if you don't go out to the bar with your friends, and you, if you just sit and talk about training all the time in your book with your, with your small circle and your confirmation bias, you don't get those opportunities, which is essentially how you did it. You, you, you just lived the life where you did shit. <laughs> you pur- yeah. You
2: just,
0: it, that's and cliche information, but like it's, it 100%. is that
2: simple. Yeah. I mean, how often do we ever try something new and we're good at it? Very mm. few, very seldom, right? Sometimes, sometimes you magically okay. And you realize quickly there's a learning curve. Um, but for a lot, like I recognize early, like, hey, I'm not going to be good at everything right out of the gate. So I'd rather go in and take a few punches in round one and two, because those punches are way less painful than trying to jump in at round 12. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, that's like you going from like, oh, I've never boxed before to like, oh, you want to go fight Floyd? Good idea. You'll do great versus like, let me go through and learn boxing a little bit. At least like maybe it won't hurt. I can put, know how to put my hands up. So I think for a lot of people that, you know, we get scared looking for the right time to make a move or we get scared or worried about whether it's going to work out. And it becomes a, a moment where you have to trust in yourself to say, this is what I fucking bring to the table. This is who I am. Right. And I say this on my true coach podcast all the time. Like if you're a brand new coach, you're year one and you're trying to drum up some business. You don't get to say that you've taught at Eric Cressy. You don't get to so, say that you've done this. And this, But you know what you can say? Tell you what? Hey, you know what, grandma, Betty, I am not a 10 year trainer. But you know what? I love this. This is all I spend my time doing. I'm going to help make fitness of an experience you've never had before. I'm good, like, I may not know all the answers, but I will help
0: learn everything. And I'm going to be there.
2: Well, the, the funny thing is,
0: you say about taking punches, though, it's exactly how this podcast started. And like, well, I'll be flat out, like we had John Berardi on, we didn't prep at all. But we took all the punches for 150 episodes to the yes. point where that skill is transferable into even personal networking. Like the biggest advantage I've had, and probably Andrew too, is like, we can step into a room and we can talk to people because we fucking do it. But we, our fucking first 10 episodes, I think, suck. And we took the, we, we, we didn't, if I would have had
1: John Berardi then, it would have been the worst. Um, but we took our punches but that's a good you don't do it if you don't do it i'll say something differently i mean we've been preparing this entire time which i think is sort of a paraphrase of that i've been preparing to talk to john berardi for you know god six seven years absorbing some of the stuff i remember very specific things that he said on other podcasts and you know things that i pulled straight out of pn uh and the old the old podcast <laughs> shit i mean I don't think it was terrible, but I, I look at our early episodes the way I look at my first year in the fitness industry. I think it was <laughs> I recent like when I just wrote this True coach blog, I think I said something to the effect I would be really if someone didn't look back at their first year of training and be kind of embarrassed. Right. You know, a little terrified of it. But I look back at it and go, okay, you know what? I was passable. I was definitely on the better end of a year one trainer for someone entering the industry. Where I am right now is night and day. It's not even comparable to where I was there. And I really hope that next year, two to five years from now, I'm a much, much better trainer than I even am today. That is my eternal goal to always improve. Sam probably has
0: that same story. Sam was very dog shit at networking at all. Well, maybe not, but like what, I guess specifically, maybe like what are some of the punches you did take? Because, like, there has to be something where you're like, man, this was dog shit. And, like, now you're actually fairly good at it.
2: It was honestly managing expectations for myself. Yeah. You know, coming out of, you know, I went to a bougie private Catholic college. And I had three years of a sports marketing internship where we launched a new logo. We ran a conference tournament that featured the number one NBA pick in Adam Morrison, right, that yeah. year. Um, and so, like, Megan Rapino, the women's, you know, women's soccer, like she, was our, she went to our school. Right, So she was a very big role in, in our university. We won national championships. So I, and as a big sports fan, I thought coming out, I was going to be in baseball. I was going to run sports marketing for Nike. I'm going to go golfing with Ken Griffey Jr. and talk about what you want in your batting gloves, bro. Like, totally. That, that's where I was. Like, I don't look at anything that I can't do it. It's just a matter of me making the right moves to make that happen. And I'm willing to sacrifice things until I get there. And coming out of school in 2008 was a shock to like, oh, shit, you can't get a job. Because, like, my parents didn't go to school. So I didn't come out knowing how to like go get a job. I didn't know like what kind of positions I should apply for, you know, that an accounting job at an accounting firm, I can get a marketing job as a director, but like at a marketing company, I'm a intern, right? Like we don't know those things coming out. And so being forced to take a job at 24 hour fitness, where I'm watching a lot of my friends, even amongst the recession, get great jobs, right? Like, you know, some of my friends in my college, like Becky runs all of retail planning for Nike. Doug went to, got his bachelor's in mechanical engineering, then got his uh, master's in aeronautical engineering from the Air Force Academy, then got his uh, MBA from Harvard, right? And you're like, uh, and you're like, uh, right? Like, I just have some friends that do some dope shit. And like our college, and for being a really small college. was And so for me, like, I had a lot of guilt around like, fuck, man. Like, I fucked off a lot in college. I partied a lot, right? Like, I was good at connecting and having great relationships, but I wasn't going to go to grad school, so I wasn't concerned about four-pointing. I was concerned about having experience. And so then coming out, it was like a big thing. Like, fuck, man, like, you got to take a job selling membership, 24-hour fitness. Your boss is 19, right? Like, you could have got this job out of fucking high school. Because my biggest fear being me, because I've been this fucking person my entire life, right? Like, you don't think I could have sold candy bars for a baseball team as a kid? Oh, my God. Walk up that little old lady like, oh, you don't want to support our baseball? Like, you just yell her the shit out of her to buy some candy bars.
1: Dude, this is so funny. Like, you're telling the story. So how similar does this sound? So I got a bachelor of commerce degree back in Memorial University of Newfoundland, and not too long ago, an old classmate of mine, great dude, he messaged me just put comments on it, and he's like loving this stuff I'm doing. He's one of those quiet followers, and I didn't realize he was there. Mm -hmm. And he made jokes about how I I made a joke about how divergent my path was from all of our business classmates. A lot of them went into corporate roles and various stuff and grew up. Mm -hmm. And I took a very divergent path. I owned a nightclub for a while and. You know, I washed out of working for, uh, you know, one of the banks up here as as one of their personal bankers. I hated it, and I did bar security and I worked in a, a casino dealing poker. And all of a sudden, now with my career and you know income and what I'm doing, you know, I'm thriving with with a private business. I just took a really windy path. So we we're talking about that, and he, he made the mm-hmm. point like, "Man, you seem pretty happy." And he made some like dis- self disparaging jokes. That's his humor about kind of where he was. And I realized like. Yeah. You know, I took a weird route to get there, but you know, it all turned out really, really good. But it was definitely a very different path than what I saw a lot of my classmates. And I think for a while, I looked at them and at it seemed your reaction kind of head down, like, oh man, like, you know, fuck, what what am I, what have I done? But now I look back at it and go, fuck man, you know, hey, it all worked out pretty good. And I am so happy with the direction. So I, I can relate yeah. to your story.
2: Well, and I think there's a certain level, you know, while I'm a pretty ambitious person uh, and I'm very much a go-getter, whether that's hustle guilt or that's the ambition to be successful, whatever you want to call it, that it, it, it's the willingness to say yes and the willingness to say, you know what, that may not be the thing, but it might teach me something, right? Like training or at least selling memberships was while I fucking hated it at first was like, well, you might as well learn something of value. Right. Like, and learning fitness is kind of like learning how to work on your car. It's a pretty useful skill to learn if you can learn some pretty basics uh, in the beginning where it makes life, you know, to be now in our 30s and you know 40s to where you watch your peers who didn't get into fitness. You're like, oh, man, that was a really great thing to learn where we learned it. Right. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think a lot of people expect to learn the thing and be done as opposed to recognize that life is just a series of continually learning and getting shittier and better at other, other things and developing more and more perspective. And to have a life where you just keep saying yes to things like I, I have a massive fear of commitment in that I don't want to get stuck and have to say, I regret doing something. I regret not studying abroad in college because the life you live at 21 in France, where you are willing to sleep in a hostel and on the train and you're going to live for $2 a day and get drunk every day, whatever, like that, I I don't want to do that now, but at 21, I would have loved that life. Right, to where I don't want to say no. So for me, I'm and I'm reading uh, Greg McCowan's The Essentialist right now, Essentialism. Uh-huh. And uh, for me, like, I realized, like, oh, I'm always just kind of like a, a sorcerer. Like, I want to evaluate big things and then I'll go hammer. I know I'm not going to be the best writer. I need to get good enough to be good, but I'm not going to go become the best. Right. Like, and just willingness to be know exactly what you're good at and going back to the conversation, like, know what you bring to the table. Right. This is who I am. This is how I can help. And establishing that confidence in yourself allows you the confidence to walk in the room and rate, like, you know, reading that book, people like, I didn't realize people were fearful of raising their hands and make, saying their opinions in, in a group. And I'm like, Oh, I've never felt that. Right. Cause I was like, shit, I'm going to impose it on you if you don't like it uh, because that's been, but you know, early in, I made this post recently with all the black lives matter and, and the social justice stuff going on that like, for me, I grew up in a predomin- very white town, very low income white town. And as a kid, I got made fun of in kindergarten from this kid, Michael. Uh, he used to make fun of me for uh, my face looked like a cookie. And uh, I was Chinese, even though I'm Korean. I have a flat face. And, and my dad's so funny. And I went home crying one day. And he's just like straight up like, why are you even mad? You're not even Chinese. Just tell him you're Korean. And I was just like, oh, okay. Right. <laughs> and so like, <laughs> from that kind of attitude, I realized like, wait, this kid doesn't have any friends. I have all sorts of friends. Why do I give a shit? Like this kid hangs out by himself in the playground right? And I'm going to go play basketball The cool kid, whatever. And it was like, it was that kind of moment to where I also realized that people inherently are not confident, right? Because my mom was a youth minister. So I was around a lot of high school kids early, right? And I watched social dynamics. And it was so interesting at a young age to be, you know, the kids that came around at two o'clock after school, not the kids that came around at like 6 p.m., right? There was just different groups. And for me, I didn't always want to be the little annoying kid that had to be around but like I want to be one of the boys like when we're when you're gonna go sneak up on the roof I want you to know I'm not gonna rat you out to my mom let me up on the roof with you and that taught me such great skills of learning how to connect yeah. and listening and learning and knowing what your social dynamic and what you do really well in the role to where you can step into a conversation and you know what I'm not John Berardi but to tell you what I do have like I have a lot of experience doing this and I'm gonna do this like this is what I do well and yeah. where I'm at right now is I'm gonna deliver a great conversation for someone that's really killed it in the industry to a lot of people and i feel that i've earned that through the 150 conversations you did prior right and that's and that's a magical thing and you know what you're good at and so for people willingness to like i'm not happy let me figure out the next move right is something that i would love for more people to do and i'm so grateful that that mindset for me was you know what like all right i hated doing membership sales but like it was in i was in an affluent area and i can meet a lot of people let me just see what i can do all right cool finally got out and but like i also picked up powerlifting and olympic lifting and strongman competitions during that year finally got out to go work at an action sports company got fired two months in went back to fitness because it was the thing to do right oh do that for a couple years oh kept trying to get out and that wasn't working let me just move across the country oh i'm a first member on it let me just start working there right it was like it was never a thing it was just the thing to do at the time. Like when I moved to Texas, I fully was ready to like be out of fitness. I was trying to get into territory sporting goods sales for like Rawlings, Louisville Slugger. And it wasn't until they just wanted me to move to other areas in Texas. And then I just looked at John Wolf and I said, hey, man, what would it look like if I came on to work here? And he goes, I don't know, pitch me something. I was like, uh, okay. So I come with him and I found it recently. It's somewhere in my office. And I wrote up this thing. I was like, "Oh, oh, man, I'm good at talking to people. Like. You guys are trying to grow. Like, I'll just be a territory rep. I'll put a bunch of maces and kettlebells in my car and I'll drive around to every CrossFit box and promote on it. And he was like, No. And I was like, Oh, well, um, I'm really good at talking business and fitness. And he's like, Oh, there you go. Right. So it was about finding, like, what are the things that you have experiences in that you can take that experience and add value to whoever you're with, where you're with at that time. And continually, right, for me on it, I didn't have any value. I hadn't been running successful gyms, I hadn't been training. Like, when I got to it, I wasn't there to train people. Like, I hello at Onnit and info at Onnit came through my mail, which is thousands of emails a day. So when, like, affluent people came in, I was pushing them to the other trainers, right? It wasn't until I started sourcing my own people that it became like, oh, no, let's have let's a have jam trainer, yeah. right? But it was this constantly knowing about what you do well. I'm like, I, I know I can talk business really well, right? It was us rolling into Exos, where we're starting the conversation around, um, can it be the uh supplement provided for exos right and i'm talking to one of their executives i'm like oh yeah and i start spouting off uh number growth and consumer habits and trends and he's like oh, oh we're gonna have a very different conversation now right because i wasn't saying I'm a trainer that's just kind of like good at talking to people it was like oh you you can speak for the company okay right and that became because that's what i know i do well right mm-hmm. but if i don't take that opportunity to be confident in myself and run with that that deal doesn't come through and if Exos doesn't come through, I don't get the golden ticket where it's like, yeah, Sam, go be you for a year and go yeah. travel the world and be whatever you want to be.
0: Uh, well, I think okay. the, that's where luck comes in. But it, it also comes down to, we talked about this, I think with John, was like, if you kind of mimic what everyone else is doing, you just become a shittier version of them. But that's also tied into that thing of people aren't confident enough to be themselves and kind of evaluate their skills and then kind of go out on a limb. Because you basically have to go out on the limb, like you're saying, put yourself out there. They could have totally shit on you and you could have fucked it up too. What? Yeah, like that's taking the punch.
2: Yep, that's it, right? And like even True Coach, like get there, like oh shit, like we already ran a, a heavy paid strategy with our marketing and pushing Facebook ads, right? Like hey, all right, I'm gonna be a writer. I'm not a writer, but that's the thing that we need. So I'm gonna bank my job and becoming a writer, and I'm gonna have to focus on getting as good as possible, right? I only had to get so good because I had copywriters who were awesome, like Gina Florio. But that was a game where it's like, sure, okay, I love now that I enjoy writing. I wouldn't have a daily blog ever. But like I now like processing my my thoughts that way and it gave me a skill set that was not a good one before. So Mm. that, like we're constantly taking like the, it sounds so fucking cliche, but like life's the fucking balance beam with buckets of water, right? And you know, you have your family bucket, you have your friendship bucket, you have your fulfillment bucket, you have your uh, money bucket, you have your relationship bucket and you have all these things and not your buckets aren't even the entire time, right? And sometimes you put more water in over here because you think that's gonna help you. And it's like it's not an equanimable, uh, equal, equal. There we go. A walk. It's like a constant sprint of like just teetering and like hoping not to eat shit. And it's like, oh, I'm not good at that. I better go get good at that. And just before you know, we
0: close up, because I know you gotta go. At I want to say that you just made up a word.
2: <laughs>
0: equanimable.
2: Equanimable. I was like I, what, say,
0: I, I like knew exactly what you meant though I'm like that's a perfect word like that is the word
2: for sure. I've been trying to learn how to talk I've been going through this deep journey with my sleep and it started off with a Lucy Hendricks posted a video on like sleeping and breathing and allergies yeah. and so we started talking and then she put me in touch with Zach Couples and mm-hmm. so then him and I started talking a lot of upper airway stuff and so then uh he was like hey go see an ENT specialist ear nose and throat mm-hmm. and so then I go and The way the nose works is there's like three valves essentially go in and there's, they're called terminates. And what happens when they get inflamed, there's less air for them to come through. And so essentially mine were all inflamed. So they take a soldering gun basically and burn the tissue down to create more space. Uh, And it was like, oh shit, air. That's a whole new ballgame. Well, also come to find out I had a bone spur that covered my entire right nostril almost. uh, And my right nostril is 25% smaller than my left. And so then going through the, you know, I went to, I'm a teeth grinder my entire life. I went to an orthodontist, and now I have this device in my mouth that's spring-loaded that's pushing my upper palate forward. Did,
0: did he do the crazy and, P.R.I. cranium shit? Because then there's like the whole, like, if this is situated this way, your left nostril doesn't work out, and then you got to get molar contact points. Like, gets
2: fucked. Oh, i got to get – I'm getting uh, four molars put in that's in sweet. a year to get extra room for my teeth. Um, and because I was born – I'm a three-month preemie when I was born, and I'm missing five adult teeth. Damn. Which – is now causing my mouth to be too small for my tongue, yeah. and so then my with this all the shit in my mouth, I got Invisalign, I got this fucking bracket with spacers. Then it's been this process of learning how to talk again. But like, it's so funny because people will be like, "Damn, it's so brave that you're getting that done." And I'm like, "Why?" The other option is me not sleeping well the rest of my life. Like, what well, and systemic what do you stress?
0: Need? Like, did, do you do you track metrics on that? Like, did your HRV go up and like your heart rate go down with all that shit? Dude,
2: I uh, my sleep how it started was like so I started working with Mike T Nelson because. I did the thorn at-home pee sleep test, and it was like, oh, your melatonin is non-existent at night, and your cortisol is jacked, but your cortisol is non-existent in the morning, and your melatonin is really jacked. And I'm like, oh, sweet. My body does the exact opposite of what it's supposed to do. So at first, because Zach and I were talking about upper airway stuff, and I was still going through the surgeries and uh, whatnot. I just had a, a bone graft put in two weeks ago where they go through and they scrape my gums down to the bone. And then sew bone and skin onto my gum to reinforce it, to strengthen it, to have enough room to push forward. And so, yeah, the process. But it's like, to go through it is, you know, for me, it's like, well, I didn't sleep. Like I get about five hours of mediocre sleep every night, most of my life. And I'm like, Y'all motherfuckers don't know what it's like for me to sleep 100% every yeah, you're, gonna night. Be, like,
0: you're gonna have more rants.
2: Oh my God, I'm gonna <laughs> piss. I'm gonna, ah! <laughs> okay, uh, let's, yeah,
0: let's, my, I know you got to. Okay, where, where,
1: Andrew, you close it up. Yeah, well, right. uh, we'll just let people uh, remind people where to find you and all this. Well, now. Safe. Like, what's it look like now? Yeah.
2: Yeah, so I'm getting ready to launch some fitness programs online finally. You know, I've been building them for other people. The Be Less Unfit program is coming uh, in September. And it's a 12-week habit-based program to learn how to not make fitness so complicated, but get people to go on a walk, get people to sit quietly for five minutes, eat a vegetable, drink some water, understand the basics of stress and how to work out and how to build a program for yourself. Um, I'm going to be launching a a new keynote speech and an eight-week course on, or some sort of length course on, overcoming the fear of failure. Uh, And it's going to be called Hurry Up and Fail. Uh, And then the big thing I'm working on is I'm launching a mindfulness stress-type app uh, with the head of Applied Mental Skills with the Chicago Cubs as well as Seth Gibson, who's a, a artificial intelligence engineer for guys like Facebook and, and Intel, as well as uh, Carlos Quentin, who's a two-time MLB all-star, uh, Stanford grad. And uh, we're hoping to have a beta up by the end of Q3. Uh, right now, the best place to find me is just sampogue.com uh, or Instagram, s pogue 86 uh, and just kind of see what's going on, the transition from corporate life and working for someone and being on my own. And uh, it just happened last week. Uh, and so it's been a little bit of, uh, pulling together some strings because I, you know, make sure I have uh, some contracting work coming in, doing some fun stuff, doing some things like this. But yeah, this is the first time I've told anybody my plans. Uh, and this will be the, like all the things I haven't announced anything. And, and, uh, but keeping track on me and dot uh, com is going to be place for the epicenter for all my shit coming out and okay. content and programs. And, Debating, launching some business coaching stuff. I don't know. I'm open to hearing well, That's
0: things. why we wanted to have you on. Because it's essentially, like, we, like, I don't know. It's kind of cool to see, like, everyone kind of, oh, Sam does this. Sam did that. Blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, like, this is actually you now. Not not on it. Not true coach. It'll be cool to see the evolution of that,
1: I think. Someone with your personality and how much you have to offer in the skill set steps out into your own and you are your own brand instead of working under another umbrella. So just
2: I just Don't forget
0: I, about us. Don't forget about the little guy. Oh.
2: It's going to be, the game is only about building community. Like, it's so funny, like, to look at Truecoach, just, I know I got to wrap up, but, like, I talked to the people stepping in, I'm like, hey, look at this, there's still, even without me, y'all are still putting out four articles a week that even aren't even self-generated that are generating a shitload of traffic, and I'm like, so, yeah, y'all actually won, right? Like, look at that, you're getting great writers coming in, contributing, and, like, the machine is still moving. So, yeah, I'm so excited to like, and she was like, what are you, like, are they going to stay? I go, yeah, because I don't. I want my friends to keep being successful, right? It's not about me taking it away from them, right? Like, how dick would that be? Like, stop writing for them because I don't like them anymore or whatever, right? It's like, no, if that adds value to what you're doing, I hope it continues, right? So that's the game because here's the thing. If you're, to be a good networker, you got to remember people, right? Hey, what's up, text? Hey, how you doing? Uh, uh, What's going on? How you been? Goes a long way, even if they don't respond, right? but build that network by just building good fucking relationships with people. And it'll solve a lot of problems in life. And to all the
1: listeners who have be checking this out, guys, uh, Sam has been on, uh, Bill, this is your third appearance with us. So go, go check those out and uh, dig into more what he's doing. We talked a lot about John Berardi. Go listen to that recent one. if You're just, uh, you know, brand new to us. And, uh, you know, Sam, I can't say how much I wish you the best of luck, but I'm not even worried about you. I know you're going to crush it. So guys, thanks for uh, tuning in. And, you mentioned you know, networking and stuff too. Uh, if you are a listener and you've never shot me a message personally, you know I know Dean's going to be busy with a lot of stuff, but uh, you can shoot me a message. You want to talk and connect. And I want to find out what you're doing with your fitness career and and what this podcast has done to help you. So uh, drop in my DMs. I, I will be checking out. I will be uh, – I'll, and I'll respond. So, guys, thanks so much. And uh, Sam, uh, go enjoy your day.
2: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure to chat. Shut up and sit down.